This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 553 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. On tonight's USDF episode, we have young horse training expert Willie Arts giving us a preview of the USDF Sport Horse Prospect Development Forum that he's hosting with Scott Hassler being held in Loxahatchee, Florida, February 17th and 18th. And after that, we are talking with sports performance coach Larissa Brazier. We also have a trainer tip with Reese and I. Reese Coppler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hey, Phil, how are you? I'm good. I, I had a little, a little trouble with this USDF Sport Horse Prospect Development Forum. I can't wait. Comp- complicated title of it of, is, but I can't that. wait. It's it's a Monday, Tuesday down here, and I can ride my bike, which is even cooler. <laughs> Literally, like right down the street. Um, and I'm really, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, again, it's one of the amazing things about being here in Wellington is all the fun things you get to do. And, and it's always fun for us that we get to to do these things and cover them for the radio show. So I'm bummed that my sidekick, Phil, can't be here, but I'm excited about going on Monday for sure. I think that's some of, some of my favorite training is the young horse training stuff. And, you know, it's really interesting how different people tackle or solve or think about uh, issues of horse training, you know, right, right from the beginning, right, right when you have like a lot of young horses, they just they don't want to go forward, or they, they, you know, some of that stuff is uh, is uh, really interesting to me, anyway. So, uh, yeah, I, I might might have to come down for that if they host it again uh, next year or or something like that, because it's some of my some of my favorite topics. Cause the I know horses I can, the horses can be a little bit silly too, you know. And, yeah. You know, you have to you have to realize that that's going to happen, and and you know, they're these are horses that are not really experienced in the in having people watching them and stuff like that. So, like, interesting things can happen. Yes, exactly. Like well, hopefully, it won't be that interesting. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, I I don't like to see people fall off or get hurt or whatever, but I just right. You just see horses with with sort of personalities and and a little bit of joie de vivre and and zest and yeah, but I like that. I love it. I love it. Well, you are, you are definitely the young horse guru. I enjoy it. I can't say that I always ride them anymore, but I I love going and seeing, and I think it's going to be fun. You know, it's always fun to see what young horses, what you need to be doing with the young horse, right? I think we're all like, Oh, she's a baby or he's a baby. And it's like, no, come on. It's a five-year-old. It's not that little anymore. You know, and I think (laughs) always having that idea of like where you should be is really fun. And it's going to be really good to, to see that. So very Great. excited about that. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's been a big week. We were horse showing and next week is the five star down here, which will be really exciting. I think everyone's looking forward to that week. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very busy, which is nice. Yeah, a lot you, get a lot, you get a lot of people in on during five star week, a lot yes. of visitors and, and, and people escaping the cold and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah. It's always a busy week. So yeah. looking forward to it for sure. It's going to be fun. So we actually have a great show today, don't we? 
I think it's going to be fun. Uh, Willie Arts, we get to talk about young horse training a little bit, and uh, we've never had him on the show. And but he's you know sort of sort of famous in the young horse and the breeding area of 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 dressage sports. So uh, I've never met him, so I'm really yeah. excited to have him on the show. And then we yeah, have covering it. Yeah, and then we're covering another really important topic: the mental part of our sport or the mental part of riding. Somebody that you know really well, so uh, you know we we should get to get to all yeah. those great topics. I love it. So we're going to just have a quick commercial break and we're going to come back with Willie Arts and we hope you enjoy. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition, and award programs and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, this evening we are thrilled to have Willie Arts. He is an international coach, rider, breeder, owner of DG Bar Ranch. Willie, welcome to the show. We're honored to have you. Thank you, and uh, I'm honored to, to be uh, here also. So, Willie, we're actually featuring you because I cannot wait on February 17th and 18th here in Wellington, Florida. You're going to be hosting the USDF Sport Horse Development Forum. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. And so it will start Sunday afternoon uh, where we have the the preview of the riders and uh, so that we can uh, be prepared to, to have a good sessions on Monday and Tuesday. And yeah, get introduced to the horses, the riders, and uh, and kind of prepare ourselves for uh, a good lesson plan and a program that is uh, and good for the riders and, and development of the horses and also for for the people that are watching. Fantastic. So Willie, tell us a little bit about kind of what is the idea of the forum? So we have two days where we're studying. What what are we going to be looking at for those two days? Well, I think for the for this program, I think it's mainly focused on getting the horses started as three and four year olds, and trying to to get the the talented horses that are nowadays raised here in the United States into a program where they are developed in a way that they are ready for the FEI five and six and seven year olds, and to make people aware that you can't wait until the four or five to get started because then you've missed the whole boat yeah and the fei uh, young horse program is a program if you try to stick with that or try to follow that those guidelines then you will develop a young horse that by the time it's at the age of six or seven that you have a nice horse that is trained all the way up to fourth level and ready to move on to do the fei level starting at prison george and the main thing is with young horses, starting young horses, is that you start correctly and that you don't first go off on the wrong path and then try to fix it. And if you start correctly and you do it mathematically and you have a system, then it is a great program to follow those guidelines. And what also is a big difference if you want to have your horse ready for a competition, a young horse competition, this the horse has to be ready at in January or February, or can, can you have the four or five year old ready in September or October? You know, those are still a big difference. But if you can try to stick to that guideline of that whole year, 
yeah, that that is a good program and a good guideline to stick with. Yes, agreed. Uh, so, Willie, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, yourself and your background and your farm. You're in uh, California, is that correct? Yeah, correct. And, and yeah, you're born I, in Holland. So, up, tell us tell us about yeah. tell us about coming over from Holland and and and, and starting a farm or, or how that all went. Well, how it all went, I was uh, working in Holland at a stud breeding farm and followed the, the Dutch National School for Horse Trainers yeah, in, uh, in Deurne. So, and then the opportunity came along that uh, the, the Groot family was, were going to start a horse farm and they were over in Holland buying horses. Uh, they bought horses at a place where a good friend of mine was working and Make a long story short, he was here for a couple months and then he wanted to go back to his own farm. And so they called me if it was something that I would be interested in. And it all started out as just coming for three months and then it was going to stay for a year. And then it just kind of developed into being here now for 35 years and uh, <laughs> worked our way up into, yeah, now owning, co-owned the DG Bar with with the Groot family, and so it's been a uh, 35 years of developing, and obviously myself, and also uh, learning the horse market in the United States, and getting used to the huge distances and all that stuff compared to Europe. Yeah, and I always say, but what is possible here in the U.S. is not possible in Europe, and what is possible in Europe is very hard to do over here. So. So you have to make it work for yourself and for your location. And so Digibar is located central in California, which is ideal for for the breeding and you have a little bit more room and it's a little bit far away from the horse shows and everything. We have to travel, yeah, pretty much three, four hours in order to go to a horse show. So that is, yeah, maybe not as convenient, but it also... What is convenient, they were located central, so we have clients north and south from us, equal distance. So just, uh, there are benefits and pros and cons to everything, you know. So, But it's been, been 35 years of uh, developing, I think, the breeding program that we yeah, have produced some top horses and, and have developed mare base and young horses coming along that have a bright future and that... Uh, can serve yeah, the American market, and, and I think many horses uh, will find a way in yeah, FEI Arena. So, yes. so you ha- I, I know you have a, maybe a couple of stallions, and you yourself have ridden quite successfully on some young horses. Yeah, yeah I have the mayor, uh, Valeska, that uh, she did the young horses, we raised and bred ourselves, and so she was a six-year-old, she competed uh, in Verden at the World Championships, and Recently, we we got uh, two stallions uh, approved uh, by the KWPN and by the German Oldenburg Verband. The one stallion name is uh, Koning DG is by Bordeaux, and the other one is uh, Al Primo, also by Bordeaux. And so they're now five and four years old. So they're all in the beginning of their uh, show career and breeding. So, but the offspring we have from them is looking uh, very promising, and they're both. Yeah, very talented, uh, very talented horses. Koning uh, received at at the North American sh- short test for stallions from the German judges an uh, 8.95 uh, average, yeah, of total. So that's, that is an uh, 89.5 points. So that's uh, 
is by far the highest score uh, they've ever given. And at, yeah, great score, nine for tenth or nine and a half for, uh, for the rideability and from the test rider. And so we're very, very excited for him, how he's going to, to uh, develop in the sport, hopefully. Well, yeah, he will do the five-year-olds this year and, and see what, what it, uh, yeah, how he develops. Yeah, But uh, the future looks uh, really bright for, for both stallions. Wow, that's so that's very fun and exciting, and we can't wait to watch them as they develop and and to have American stallions is is amazing. So, Willie, you're also part of the USEF Coaches Support Network, correct? Yes, correct. Yep. So, can you tell us we've not talked about that program here on the show? What is that program as well? Because you're very helpful and, and and instrumental in that one as well. Yeah, I'm very excited to be part of this uh, coaches network. I think uh, we all know. Like I said earlier, this is a very big country and each person at each level yeah, has uh, a lot of responsibility, like Christine Traugli is for the FEI Young Horse Program. And for her to be everywhere is uh, pretty much impossible. So for me uh, to be asked to be working with Christine together and with the whole team to develop a program that young horses uh, find their way into the international Competition arena is uh, is yeah obviously for me exciting and and right up where yeah right up my alley to be uh, part of that to have exactly my function is still kind of in a development stage yeah where we're going to be assisting and and how much that is still some uh, exactly to be determined. I was in uh, at the Devon Horse Show for three days as part of this program. To yeah, to identify horses and horses that have uh, talent, we we also have installed a uh, way that we contact or have contacted all the breed associations, so that they doing their <clears throat> mare inspections and inspection tours during the summer throughout the country, that their jury members identify horses that they feel should be part of this program, and that they share the contact information with the owner and that we can contact them and, and guide them and, and see what their plans are and just okay. to get the people involved and, and give them uh, kind of a stepping stone to, to get involved. And sometimes we need to connect the rider with the horse, you know, so there's those things that that is part of my job, I think a little bit to, to get, to get that closer together. So, Willie, I just thought I'd, we try and pick your brain just a little bit here while we have you on the show. What What do you think is maybe the maybe like the hardest training problem in horses, like in in talented horses that should be going, you know, towards the young horse competition FEI track? What you know, what what do you think is is missing a little bit in people's training pro? programs or ideas just kind of in a general sense if 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 you understand me yeah in a general sense i think that it is that that a lot of times people are a little bit behind the training scale so they to do the fei young horse program so by the time they have a four-year-old yeah he's still too young doesn't have enough show miles and by the time it has to show the fei young horse program they're ready like in october november yeah and it's yeah. just not bad if you're an amateur rider and you have a nice four-year-old horse and you can do it in that time, but then you miss you miss the competition part. So for for a lot of riders, it's it's that, and that I think is the reason why 
were missing a lot of horses because we all know many good horses from Europe are imported over here and many horses are bo- good horses are born here in the US and the young horse program the, the amount of horses that is entered is still yeah a little bit marginal yeah so we're missing a lot of horses and and I think it's not because the quality isn't there it's not that the quality riders are not available in the US it is a little bit the, the management behind it to have them ready at the appropriate time yeah, and 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 really, this is going to be something that you're going to cover at this at the Sport Horse Development Pro- Program, right? On how you get horses ready and and what's too much, and yeah. and I think that's always the question, right? Is when is it too much for them or not enough? Yeah, that's always the question, and I think uh, the main thing you need to do is look at your horse. Yeah, some horses are a little bit early maturing, some of a little little later maturing. Yeah, but the 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 key thing is starting in time. Key thing is no fatigue so that you don't have to overwork them and and also it is that you have a regular schedule yeah so that it's not too much too many breaks in between you have a nice regular schedule don't have to overdo it so i think that is that is very important and then i think the 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 other key problem is always but i think that it that is in in every level yeah it is always the connection relaxation over the back you know all the trueness that is always the 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 the, the key thing where where needs to be worked on in uh, in young horses yeah and and, mm-hmm. and that is that is an, an ongoing eat but it's not something that you say okay it's uh, that much less i think than anywhere else it's just i think here that if i compare it like with europe if you see in europe a four or five year old go yeah they they are already farther farther ahead in the training than, than over here. Over here, there's still a little bit of, oh, he's still young and he needs more time and he needs to get stronger. But the horse is only going to get stronger by working, yeah? But you need to work right. him. Don't, don't work him too hard, but just by not doing anything, he's not going to get stronger either, yeah? <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. Well, Willie, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show and giving us an amazing preview of the of the program that's going to happen next week here in Wellington. I'm really looking forward to it. And how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions about your breeding, yourself, and your stallions? Yeah, they can contact me. Yeah, look at our website, which is uh, digibarange.com. And the email address is willyarts at dgbarrench.com. And, and yeah, I look forward to, to the clinic. And yeah, we have uh, for ourselves uh, looking forward to the full crop again. You know, that is the exciting part in the breeding farm that you, you have, of course, your show season and, and the young horses that you're riding. But uh, the foals that are born every year is, uh, is always a, a big uh, part of the excitement uh, in spring. So we're excited uh, about this year, because especially we have mainly the foals coming from uh, the young stallions. So that is, yeah, that is exciting for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. I want to come play with the babies. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Willie, we can't thank you enough, and we look forward to next week. Okay, me also. Thank you very much. Well, Phil, I'm really excited about this next interview. I hope everybody enjoys hearing from Melissa Brazier. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. 
her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, we're very excited. I think, you know, kind of recently online, there's been a lot of discussion about sort of mental health and mental health with trainers and riders. And the services that you offer have really been sort of vital in my own riding and my own career and and how you deal with stress and, and the things that happen. And so tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us a little bit about what you do as a sports performance coach. Well, thank you for saying that first and foremost. As you mentioned, my name is Larissa. I grew up in the area. I actually grew up riding. I rode in the hunter-jumper discipline. I may have switched switched over. I don't ride except for fun now, but I do work with a lot of equestrians in terms of mental mindset, getting rid of fears, and how to create their best performance. Like you mentioned, there is a large movement going in terms of taking care of oneself mentally, having the proper mindset and how the mind and body come together to really create the ultimate best performance and how we can eliminate fears and limiting beliefs, as well as, you know, the ultimate concern that I know most riders face. What if I make a mistake and somebody judges me? Because if we're being honest, you are going into an arena and being judged. Yes. And it's very hard to to take that away. Yeah. And it's hard to get from, you can do it at home, which a lot of times when you get to a competition, you're, you can do it at home. That's why you entered the competition theoretically, but there's a lot of doing it at home and then taking it to doing it in the arena, you know, here at global here in Florida, you know, there's, there's just so many steps. And like you said, even eliminating fear. So a lot of times, not only do you do competition, but you work with riders that have fear of, of different things, right? It's not all competition-based, correct? Correct. Any type of fear, whether it's from a bad accident or maybe that person hasn't been on the horse for a while for a busy schedule or whatever reason comes up and all of a sudden they find themselves in that saddle paralyzed by that fear. Um, When we talk about the mind, it really only has one primary job and that is to keep you safe. And when we talk about safety, it's not in the sense of Am I physically safe? Of course, that factors into it, but there's emotional safety, vulnerability factors into that. So you bring up a good point in that when somebody's practicing at home or even riding through their tests at home and trying to pretend like they're in that arena, they're still in that very familiar, comfortable place. And then when you go into that arena, you're adding in a familiarity, a new place, adding on that pressure. And there's another of influences that can come in in terms of How is that trainer speaking? Are they encouraging positive mindset? Are they telling that person the things that they don't need to do? And of course, when we talk about that with anybody that comes into my office, we can't change other people or their language. 
So it's really about how you mentally process that and turn it into a direct solution. When we're focusing on a problem, whether that's being pointed out to us or it's the problem we're choosing to focus on, it becomes almost impossible to find the solution because the honest truth is the human brain can only really focus on one thing at a time. So if we're focusing on the problem, the solution doesn't really come in. One of my key favorite phrases to use is, I know exactly what to do. I get a lot of pushback on that from a lot of my equestrians as well as other sports disciplines because in that moment, they don't feel like they know what to do. The point in that phrase isn't that you know everything. It's getting your mind going in that direction of going to the solution, working it out, finding the solution instead of focusing on the problem and allowing it to grow. What we think about expands. Wow. Already, you just have, you know, given given us a lot of a lot of information to think about to process. I was going to ask you about another thing that I notice in my teaching is is people who have had some time off from riding because of having kids or or a family or going to school and then coming back to riding. You know, how does how does someone prepare themselves mentally in 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 that situation? do you think? Or what is, what is some good mindsets to think? Because I always have these people, you know, in their first couple lessons, be really negative on themselves. Like, oh, I used to know how to do this, or I was a lot better at doing that. And I think that that can hold people back from being able to progress from where they are now to having a more positive feeling, having more positive feeling about where they want to go, you know, so can you talk about that situation? Because I think that's really common as well. And to me, that's really like expectation thinking. I used to do this, therefore, no matter how much time passed, I can do it again. Um, everything that we do, including things that we learn and memorize, requires muscle memory, if you will. Um, in any sport discipline, we recommend visualization. Because as you visualize yourself doing something, you're actually firing those same neurons. So when it comes to that person, the first step would be remembering that they're going to have to start at the basics and kind of taking those expectations away from themselves. You know, to me, expectations tend to be the root of most frustration. I should be able to do this, or I should have accomplished this by now, or I used to do this, I should be able to do this now. Um, but the honest truth is that no matter how much time has passed, in the examples you're giving me, I'm guessing several years have passed in that time, whether it's college, having a kid. Yeah, I mean, people, I mean, probably even... memory there is gone. Yeah, I mean, even decades, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. And whether or not they're admitting it in their language, it still sounds like fear to me. If I put myself in this vulnerable position and I can't do what I used to do, then I'm a failure. So it's really about wiping away, erasing that mindset and that, and setting new goals. So if you had a new client, a new person come into the barn, they hadn't ridden it 15, 20 years, and they started to get really frustrated with themselves, you know, then I would say, what are the micro commitments? In the next week, what do you want to feel like you have a solid graph? on so that we can move forward next week and that way because it's so small and achievable they're going to feel like okay i'm gaining momentum when we set those really big goals and i am not an anti-aspirational thinker at all shoot for the moon by all means but you also have to break it down into micro goals or micro commitments 
I always use the example if someone were to come to me for weight loss and say, I want to lose 100 pounds. Of course, my first response would be, that's amazing. Congratulations. My second response would be, can we start with 10 pounds? Because that person isn't going to feel like they're making any forward progress until they start meeting benchmarks. So if we're going back to your example, those people have already reached certain, I'm guessing, relatively high benchmarks in their riding career from where they started. And they're expecting to automatically just get in the saddle and get right to that place. There might be a logical, rational part of them that knows that can't happen. But uh, the way our minds function is that we pull back on our long-term memories. And so if somebody has those long-term memories of being able to go in and, you know, compete in a pre-St. George, but now they're struggling at the intermediate level, then it's about resetting that mindset of, well, now I'm an intermediate rider and I can set that goal. I can continue to move forward. And then a lot of times, if you know, we're breaking it down and being very specific, it tends to come down to one particular thing, whether it's changes, the extended trot, and then they feel comfortable in other areas. So it's really about what's feeling off or out of balance in that one particular movement or that one particular thing that they're trying to hone in on and refine their skill. Yeah, now I can think everybody can hear why, you know, using someone like Larissa and Larissa, it's it's amazing on how much you can sort of, you really can kind of figure out where where your holes are and where you're positive and where things need to be worked on. It's it's fascinating. And, and it's, I think a lot of writers have, have gone to working with a sports for performance coach. It's really, I think, pretty much every team rider and top level rider, but really any rider that is struggling with, with something in their riding can really benefit from this, the service. And Larissa, we, we kept so much of your time. How can our listeners find you online and get more information about what you do? Well, you can always check out our website. It's www.summithypnosisandwellness.com. I know that's very long, or you can call our office at 561-841-7603 and speak to our office manager, Billy Jean who actually works with us as well. She's just getting started in her career and she can answer any specific questions or pass any messages along to me. I do want to talk about one more important subject that I think everyone can benefit from, and that is the inner dialogue that we do repeat over and over in our head. When we get stuck on the, I can't do this, or I'm just not good enough. You know, I read a really funny quote and I just want to say it here. And it was, your mind is like tofu. What you marinated in is what it tastes like. And for some reason, over the past couple of weeks, that's really stuck with me because it is just so true. And if you're focusing on all of the areas where you're lacking or where you feel like you're not succeeding and there's no progress, you're not going to be able to celebrate or even acknowledge the moments where you are experiencing progress because what we focus on becomes that predominant area. And we can all start to challenge that inner voice and start to talk back to it and say, no, I can do this. I am good enough. I belong here. I deserve this. And you don't even have to wholeheartedly feel it. You just have to start the dialogue. It's so true. And, and, you know, we have certain things that we've worked on together that I say when I'm in a situation where I'm like, Oh oh my goodness, you know? And like you said, it's very much a trained skill when I go into the competition ring. and, And that's what you've done for me is to give me that 
or that I'm not kind of feeling, oh my gosh, you know, you know, I don't get into that negative space and having the ability and the, in the fact that I have been coached to not do that has been so instrumental in my own career. And I've seen it with my students as well. And Lars is amazing. And, and it's really is something that you can work on and change a lot of things. And you don't have to be going for any high performance career or anything. We all work really hard at this discipline and to, to, put yourself in the right mindset is pretty amazing. So Larissa, we love you. We're very thankful for all that you do for us as riders. And uh, we hope we can have again, if, if, if people have questions, email Phil and I, and we'll get them to Larissa. Cause we'd love to have her back on. Absolutely. And you can do, you don't have to be in person, right? You can be on the phone and Skype. Correct. correct? Yes. Most of my clients, my equestrian clients are only local where I am currently for a few months out of the year. And we continue to work together no matter where they are. Yes, it's awesome. So, well, Larissa, thank you so much. One more time, what's the website? www.summit, S-U-M-M-I-T, hypnosisandwellness.com. Thank you, Larissa. We so appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great evening. Well, Phil, as always, I have been riding really, really hard in my total saddle fit stability stirrup leathers and love them. And Karen Isberg in Oreo, she's on the show quite often and we love it. Uh, she's gotten a pair and I will tell you, I, I can't get them off her saddle. Like, I think there could be physical harm and, you know, she's like, these are amazing. I can sit the trot with these. So it's been fun to see her really enjoy the stirrups. She got the slim stirrups stability stirrups, which I have the original and really like the original and Karen loves the slim ones. So it's been really fun to see her use them and enjoy them. So we are, we are really recommend them. We use them with our students and I've seen such development with, with riders, uh, with those stirrup leathers. They're fantastic. I think any, any product that can, that can help you either gain confidence or make you a little bit more comfortable or, help you with the angle. I think this sort of helps with angles of the leg, you know, it, it, it's worth the investment and they're, they're great products from Justin at the Total Saddle Fit and you can check them all out at totalsaddlefit.com. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, it's you and I for the Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. What you got for us? Well, we were just discussing before the show what we wanted to talk about, and and we kind of came around in a roundabout way to talking about contact, which is always mm-hmm. a, a difficult topic, and elbow placement, and and sort of getting the right feeling of your to your horse's mouth. And we both sort of came upon this and and wanted to talk a little bit about riders that throw their horses away as they try to make transitions forward or as they try to make the horses move more forward. So maybe you can give us a little intro into this and we can get a little back and forth going and and try and help uh, our listeners understand about contact a little bit more. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, because you said as we're trying to, you know, pick the tip, like what what did you work on today in, in your lessons? And I taught two lessons and this was literally the topic in both lessons. And one rider is working at first level and one rider's working at fourth level and working on sort of creating sort of that positive tension, right? Coming from the elbows. And I think the question is, when do you give and when do you take? And when is forward 
forward and when is forward running? That's also been a topic for us. And I, I really believe it has to do a little bit with that. Well, a lot with the connection and the connection starting from the elbows going through your hands to the bit. Obviously there's a lot of a seat component to that as well. And we're, you know, you have to say that when you talk about connection, but that was a big theme for us today here, here at the farm at Maple Crest South was how much connection do you have? And when do you sort of dial your aids up and when do you dial them down? And then Phil said, this has really been a big issue for me when you're having riders go forward. And I think that's the issue, right? Is I, I like the idea of dialing the aids and that idea of dialing the pressure up and dialing the pressure down. A lot of riders I found have their dial. If you're going kind of from zero to 10, their dials up at 10 or, you know, nine or 10, right? They cannot pull anymore or they can't have any more connection. And, and I stop that rider and say, whoa, 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 you know, let's go back and dial that connection back, set your elbows, so you have a straight line from your elbow wrist to the bit, and obviously that your seat's in the saddle. And let's dial those aids back so that if you're at one or two, you can go to a stronger connection from your elbow. You can also go from to a lighter connection, if that makes sense. See where I'm going with this, Phil? Yeah, yeah, uh, but I was also thinking about it in the other way uh, a little bit as as we develop horses and we develop riders, uh, especially in the dressage forum of things. You know, when I'm developing a horse from a young horse, I have to lessen the contact to sort of get them to move forward to the bed because yes. you know in the beginning they don't understand how that all that all that connection sort of works. And riders, we do the same thing. We say, okay, we're going to go forward. We're going to lighten up on the bit push the horse and allow them to go forward. But yeah, that would be we, dialing, aids, we, dialing yeah. aids, right? Like yeah, having, dial them down. Dial it down. down. Right. But, but, uh, but then you sort of have to say to the horse in the horse's training and then the rider's training separately and together, if you want your horse to become connected or come on the bed or get round and use their back, if you are throwing away your hands and then just pushing forward, you're not going to get that connection. So you have to teach the horse, you have to teach the riders to say a feeling of a feeling on the bit of a little pressure doesn't always mean slow down and it doesn't always stop them from being able to go forward. Right. And that's right. a really tough concept because, it, right. you know, you sort of and it's tough to learn and it's tough to understand and it's tough to teach that you should have some pressure while you make an upwards transition. So the transition can be uphill and from the hind legs. If you if you resist nothing up front, the the hind legs will not get closer to the front legs. Right. They so will basically, not, they can't come under the dial. Right. Yeah. If your dial's zero, right? There's nothing yeah. to push into. Right. Yeah. There's nothing so to bring the horse uphill. There's nothing to connect them over the back. There's you have to be able to create a bridge you know, of the spine, of, of, of the, the neck muscles of, you know, that bridge is created through a connection, which means there can't be nothing zero in your hand. Right. Sometimes there can be, but, but the more you want to create collection, the more pressure has to be between your hand and the bit and your leg and your hand and the bit so that you can, so that you can create that collection. And it's not going to just right. happen because you wish it to happen or happen just in the downward transitions, it's most important to teach that in the upwards transition, how are you going to get the hind legs closer to, to the front legs? 
you have to resist the front legs a little bit. But I mean, that takes uh, years and years and years and years and years of training and feel and timing. Yeah. Because yeah. you have to hold yeah, with the right amount of pressure. You have to you have to use your leg enough to create enough forward propulsion and, and all of that things. But uh, too too much of the time, I see riders who want to develop towards collection, second level, third level, fourth level, you know, but just not having that concept that you can't just throw the throw the throw the bit away, throw the reins the away forward. every time you want to go forward. Right. Yeah, and that's in, in forward, right? Forward on a young horse is different than forward on an FEI horse or fourth level horse, right? Like they have different meanings. And so that's where the connection and contact has to play a different role in there. Because if you don't have that role, then that's where you get into trouble. So yeah, it, it is. It's a very hard concept to think because there is, we say it as positive tension, right? But there has to be some tension with the bit. If not, the horse is going to be in a long essentially hunter right. frame. Right. right. Yeah. We, so we sort of, uh, we sort of get to this problem a lot with our questions from our, from our listeners. Like, how do I get my horse more uphill? How do I right. get my horse to make longer strides? How do I get my horse to make shorter strides? Well, it's all variances in the amount of, of contact that you have while creating quite a lot of, of push. Right. But you have to push. If you're going to get past first level, you have to push against something. Yes. Right, exactly. So, and, and using a dial and sort of playing with that, investigating that, training that, you know, and, and that's how you that's how you make your way forward through through the training scale, through you know, through the training pyramid uh, of getting towards those higher higher levels and higher incre- increasing p- p- impulsion instead of speed and all that is is through a better feel of, of connecting to your horse's mouth and and I know it's it's we talk about it and we just say, okay, it's easy. You just, you know, you resist and you, you push and, and then it just happens. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It happens over time oh, through no. training and developing. But I think the first concept that, that riders have to get in their head is that as they go forward, they're going to feel the horse, the horse's mouth in their hand a little bit more. And it's, it's a little different for every horse and you have to experiment and you have to, uh, you know, keep trying. Yeah, for keep sure. Keep working on it. And it changes, it changes, right? You may get it and say, oh, I got it at first level. Well, then you go to second level or you have it at second level, right? The requirement changes. Yeah, at third or I ha- yeah, I have it in walk uh, and then yeah. I have to make it in trot and then I have it in trot and I have to make it in canter. And oh my goodness, the horse really yeah. hates to have his, to have, you know, me resisting a little bit as he canters around. That's so, all, uh, you know, and, yeah. you know, through, through those steps, you lose confidence a lot. Even, even, you know, you and I, we sort of, are second guessing our training all the time and we have to have people come in and give us the confidence and say, yeah, you're on the right track. You know, you got to just kind of push through this sometimes and, and the horses don't always understand, but we, we spend the time to help them and help the communication happen. And, and eventually we end up somewhere. Yeah, we end up somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we love it. Well, as always, we, if you, if you have more questions about this, Feel free to give Phil an email or I an email or Facebook shout out because we this is it's a huge part of what we do and, and we love it. So keep those questions coming. And if you have any more trainer tips you want us to talk about, we like coming. We like doing trainer tips. We haven't done some in a while and we always like doing it. So as always, you know, you can can do that. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, radio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. 
I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Thank <laughs> you.